Welcome to the Rumpus Room. Hey everybody, how's it going out there? It's the boys from the Midwest breaking down, growing up, and let's hit them with the takeaway message of the day. This weekend was a big rivalry for our football team, the college that I went to, and I want to talk a lot about fear-based leadership. And I think a lot of the old football leadership and even old leadership in terms of a company is this fear-based thing. So you create create this sense of urgency and and what you do is you harm people and you in my opinion you take away trust between the leader and the person that they're and the people that they're leading. Here's some examples that I, that come right to my mind. Um, there was a play I, I went in and asked uh, hey, I think I need to get the ball more. I need you need to throw me the ball more and and I you know it was kind of like one of these moments where I was trying to take a little ownership over my life I got a little pep talk from the old parents you know just kind of like all right I'm gonna do this and if it fails uh, whatever I tried so I got the ball uh, in the game scored a touchdown on the first play of the game and I came over to the sidelines and what was told to me was see what happens when you trust me and it was really? no all way. about the the coach had nothing no representation yeah. to the act that I did mm-hmm. of like but it it was immediately turned inside and that's when it was like dink narcissist like boom it was from that point on it was really hard for me to trust a word that that individual ever said sure cuz Be- you had just taken that big step which was i'm going to make myself vulnerable Mm -hmm. I'm going to say what's on my mind, which is very challenging to go to a coach and say, I need to get the ball more. I do. And it was really difficult. And I think there's a lot of talk about how parents do that for kids these days. And this is what happened when I did it myself. And it, I was super vulnerable, but I was so happy I did it. And it gave me such an interesting nugget of information when I walked away from that. Mm -hmm. Which, which was steer clear of this jerk off. This this guy's (laughs) never going to ever be on in your camp, Uh, which as the season went, so I was a junior and I'd played, you know, I played a lot when I was freshman and sophomore and junior, my minutes decreased. And I think part of it was myself because I started to, take myself away from the commitment you know I wasn't as committed because that was like such a slap in the face for me where my commitment and this is this fear-based leadership that this that that I kept experiencing was in these big games the leader was so not relaxed and by holding this like fear thing over your head of like if you don't perform then I'm going to cut you you have no confidence in those big moments because you're worried about getting cut by mm-hmm. your your coach or your leader. And so, you know, this individual that I'm thinking about, they don't win big games. Yeah, They lose every big game, mm-hmm. everyone. And this is something that I've really tried to understand because, boy, was that ever a kick in the nuts when you're in college. Mm-hmm. I had a... Not a lot of these instances, you know, growing up in high school, I had some difficulty not playing on teams, but I had never experienced somebody like that, that just, that was such a unique thing for me and a great lesson. And now I've really tried to break it down because it just stumped me for a long, a long time. I mean, this is 
15 years later, still thinking about it. But, uh, you know, that's why I think fear-based leadership, and I read a lot about it today of what the difference is, and a lot of the information is coming out about positivity and trusting in your employees, and there's a lot of different ways to do that. Um, so it's really helped me kind of adapt my leadership style and the way I communicate with people. And I mean, you remember those negative moments really like they're like, boom, they're very, very visceral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's uh when we lost my, my um, high school football team lost the state championship game on a last second play. And it was, went down as one of the most exciting games in prep bowl history. And it was obviously heartbreaking for us because of that but uh one of the coaches or one of the um i used to coach youth lacrosse and one of the coaches or one of the parents of one of the kids i was coaching came up to me after that loss and said hey you know you're gonna lose a lot or you're gonna learn a lot more from that loss than you would that win hmm. and at the time i kind of understood what he was talking about but um it took me a little while and you're talking about those negative moments mm-hmm. as something that really teaches you more than the victorious ones and um I'm a huge believer in that. And I think that's one of the reasons that like negativity and suffering hasn't been given its due in mm-hmm. our generation or, For sure. or in the, uh, in the general, like, uh, I mean, we've got like a, f- a total fear based culture thing going on right now. Oh, everywhere man. you look. And I was I, it, it, at the sheer desire to not want to comment on the political arena. <laughs> I was thinking, could we go in the direction of like talking Marketing. about, well, companies, uh, fear-based mm-hmm. leadership in organizations. And mm-hmm. I've, I've been certainly around fear-based leadership. Um, and I'm going to give three different examples. Um, one of which is leadership that is fear-based where activity is viewed as bad. Like, cause the ship is sailing. So if you're, you're at more risk from taking a risk than you are yes. if you just don't do anything. Got it. Total mm-hmm. fear-based leadership, very common in larger established Big organizations, organizations that have, yep. you know, a lot of momentum or whatever. Change. Didn't bode well with my personality. So, um, not my, not my leadership style or my, my working style. Yeah. Not yeah. your culture to be in. And then, uh, one of my clients is swung on the total opposite side and they are like zero fear just Mm -hmm. try everything um and i listened to um i don't know it's a really old podcast it's the mark zuckerberg and the guy who started linkedin um, reed hoffman reed hoffman has uh, a podcast series similar to sort of a ferris you know where he Mm -hmm. interviews people and facebook's uh initial company slogan was um, move fast and break things. Mm-hmm. And this is an organization that really has that sort of move fast and break things, not fear-based leadership in any regard, which has a whole different host of other problems with it. In itself. For sure. But then um, the uh, Zuckerberg came out with this, when they got too big, they came out with their next um, slogan, which was move fast and break things on a stable infrastructure. Which I thought was really kind of funny because um, certain areas of one of my clients has a stable infrastructure, certain areas not. Um, but that to me seems more like a, a really non-fear-based approach. Yeah, and it's it's also a balanced, like move fast, break things. It's like a realistic, because mm-hmm. I think what happens is when you get on the fringes of these types of leadership styles, if you're way too positive, you know, if you're 
just like go do whatever you want to sure. do you need yeah. to give direction but it, but then again you know you need to create this environment of like a little bit of consequence and accountability mm-hmm. certainly um, certainly well and that though that idea the other third person you know third leadership style I was thinking of is one where a leader doesn't actually believe in themselves which mm-hmm. is very fascinating um, and then in my experience that individual ends up doing everything they can to accumulate responsibility because responsibility then is sort viewed of as leadership. Viewed, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. When, when, um, the ultimate leadership, uh, I've heard this example is, um, there's a gentleman who, I don't know if it's, uh, if he's the actual New Zealand rugby coach or if he is the, a rugby coach in the Australian football league that, um, yeah, so if he's the that, all blacks guy or not. Yeah, or if he's like one of these other coaches on like their national teams. So the the Belichick of uh, of, of, of Australian of football. football. Yeah, uh, and his his uh, leadership style is he never he actually sits in a lawn chair during every single practice. He's never in the huddle. He doesn't do anything. All he does is call kids out of the field to his chair hmm. and has one-on-one conversations with him. And he's like the most winningest coach in the history of the sport or something like that. Crazy. Jeez. Yeah. And I thought that leadership style was so interesting because that's obviously not about him. I mean, he's actually physically removed himself mm-hmm. from the premises of where the, the event leader. is in stage. Yeah, so exactly. he's basically giving them you the accountability Full and the ownership and the autonomy. autonomy. Yeah. 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 I think, I mean, my view on all this stuff is we're moving towards the more autonomous leadership style where you're giving people the ability to make their own decisions yet you set the guardrails and the accountability and hold them to their standard and something that I just read which is really so we're starting to look at getting more employees and hiring and this has always just been such a for me such a difficult decision because most of the time we don't do it correctly but it talks about finding people that are extremely skilled in one area and then they set the expectations for themselves like you Mm -hmm. allow them to set the expectations then you hold them to those expectations Mm -hmm. and your job is to push them if you can but it's really how do you flip ownership onto the employee instead of you know beat your chest A, a really awesome book is called plain talk by Ken Iverson and he ran Nucor which was a oil company which survived for 50 years and never I don't think they ever laid off an employee like had a lay, round of layoffs and their their philosophy was give everybody profit everybody gets a chunk of the profitability so it was an ownership it was you have a your salary is let's just say it's 25 grand and then you're going to get a share of all the profitability we have. Mm-hmm. And there was only four different levels. There was, everybody had their own little, their own level. And there's only four instead of like 8 million vice presidents and assistant vice presidents and directors. There was like a lot of different levels. And so right now for me, that's been really interesting because big organizations I've worked with have, you know, 10,000 layers. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you're seeing at a smaller level? Um, yeah, uh, I see. I mean, it really depends organizationally. You've got totally flat organizations like mm-hmm. certain gaming companies or software development shops that are, you know, more like that. Um, 
the organization that I happen to be a part of has this philosophy, or that I, one of my clients, they have this philosophy where they say that your direct report could change every 90 days hmm. or your manager could change manager. every 90 days, which is extraordinarily unsettling for some people. <laughs> and uh, it, it's just an Is that the break fast? Like the, yeah, that is the break. So that that's, seems that's like it works well. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you're aver- avert to change... You, you yeah, would not survive would not in that. Survive, no, I mean, you would no. survive. You'd just be stressed out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, there, I wanted to touch on that idea of being in the fringes because um, I think increasingly with uh, our lives, the Internet is the flattening technology which allows information to be shared all across the continuum, right? Mm-hmm. And typically what gets picked up is the fringes. So, you know, is the story of white nationalism or is the story of the protest or is the story of the one guy who decided to run 100,000 miles in one day, you know, in one go ahead, yeah. right? Like, I mean, we hear Like these, the two-hour marathon. Yeah. 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 I mean, we, we yeah. live in a life now where the fringes are continually being um pushed but at the same time they're being pushed in a way that everybody knows about it Hmm. and um i think this is is very healthy in a self-development way but it's also very potentially detrimental to um an individual's confidence because Mm -hmm. you know if you're a rising um cross-country star and you feel pretty good about the fact that you know, your middle school mile time is under two minutes. And then you see that somebody just ran a marathon in under two hours. And you're like, oh, well, like, Great. what's the point? Why am I even you know? doing this anymore? And yeah. I, I think culturally we're at a bit of risk of that right now. That's a really good point. I, I think in my life, I feel a lot of those moments too. And I've had to, I think, decouple a lot of that in my head and try to just continue on with the process Mm-hmm. It's it, but it's like a mindset shift that I've had to kind of bang into my head for the last four or five years. Yeah, and I think we talk about listening to these self development podcasts, which are again fringe, like these people that are really kicking kicking ass. Yeah, you're talking with the world's leading researcher on something, or the mm-hmm. world's leading most expert on you know Dave, the David Goggins of yeah, self development or self uh, sort of discipline. I mean, yeah, that's which totally is a different ball game. Than, it's so cool to listen to. However, I think we were talking about this. We feel extremely stressed out after you listen to it. Well, it is that uh, additional pressure of well, now you have to since David Goggins says every single person on Earth can just will themselves into running you know, 10 miles 10 marathons. a day, you should just do it and then yeah. don't feel bad about yourself. And, and I, that has been my major resentment for the entire self-development industry since, mm-hmm. since it's been around. And I've been very lucky that recently I've been, um, feeling more comfortable stepping back, stepping back from it in a way where, um, I, I have more of my breaks. And like you said, it definitely has been, an odd balance to strike that um, sort of self-improvement desire to achieve. And then also the recognition that like it, there is, there is downtime there, Mm -hmm. there, there are moments when you don't have to be doing it. You don't have to be with your nose in the grindstone. And to be honest, Mm. um, 
one of those moments happened for me this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just out in the garden, which is a place that I really enjoy being, and beautiful leaves and the gentle sort of breeze and the sun was out and um i just i looked around and i was just like wow this is remarkable this is just one of those moments that kind of made me realize like one of the things that i love to do that kind of keep me doing what i like to doing all of these other yeah absurd things like you know going and ripping at the gym and whatever and you know working really hard which are you know i want to do those things too mm-hmm. but um it, it can be suffocating, which, you know, we've talked about uh, the Gary V approach as oh, potentially, yeah. you know, I work 20 hours a day and it's, it's really hard. And I think ultimately it's just got to be, I think the message that is not out there in the self-development world is, is, um, is ask yourself, but um, not ask yourself in a way that, you know, you can just cheat with your answer, mm-hmm. you know, because that's, a slippery slope. Well, and I think what you're saying is really, really, and I've, this has been a big change for me is instead of relying on somebody else to just feed me my solution, my answer, like you were saying, I've tried to come up with like, what is my perspective on this? Mm-hmm. How does this relate to my life? And it's taken me a long time because there were there were a lot of moments over the last five to 10 years where I was just repeating whatever some author said and whatever I heard on a podcast or Gary V I'm working 30 hours, you know, 30 hours a day. It's whatever the new, whatever the trend, is. the trend is to kind of keep me going. And then I had to, like you said, step back and kind of personalize it more for me and make everything. It's just, everything has to be more personal. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what's frustrating me is the broad brush strokes that are being applied to people's situation. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like the room, I feel like the openness for interpretation has really not been included in the conversation about how do these, how do these principles apply to my life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, unfortunately it kind of goes back to like by my program and how do you keep people like that well making money yeah exactly it stems from the fact that the people selling you that thing need to sell the fact that you need them as a part of that decision making process which is now i'm going to be that better person and i'm going to rely on you to give me yeah you need yeah as Mm -hmm. the as the content expert you need me to actually really be the one to make Mm -hmm. this happen as opposed to the message being well, I mean, it's kind of all about you and this is like what I have done and this is what worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think some, some people are getting better at that. Do you have, um, do you have an example? I, I honestly can't even think of one. Well, you have to pull yourself away from self-development to get examples of people. Sure. Um, so I haven't found anybody that's specifically like in self-development and I think it's been interesting because when I was listening with my fiance to some of these podcasts, she just goes, I can't stand some of these people because they're so, they just talk about themselves the entire time. And it's never about you or it's never about like, there's not a lot of consideration for the person, mm-hmm. which is what we're talking about is personalization. I'm trying to think of what a good, you know, I've I've pulled myself away from these strictly self-development people so i'm probably thinking of i mean i'm thinking of books like 
awareness by Anthony DeMello and some of these other texts that have allowed me to kind of personalize my own path. And I think that's really been helpful. Well, one that comes to mind for me that I have on my list is uh, the recent, I don't know how recent it is, but uh, General Mattis has an autobiography hmm. that he wrote that is sort of a leadership book, but it's not in the sense that here are the strategies that you employ. Here's my five-step solution. It's more <laughs> like this is how I actually led throughout my life. And a gentleman and I were talking about it over lunch, and he said it was one of the best leadership books that he's ever ever read. So I'm, mm. I'm excited to get that one on my nightstand. Yeah, we'd love to hear about what, what you learn on that and if it's worth it. Because there's, you know, I've read a lot of books, and a lot of them are just kind of, frankly, a waste of time. And I think it's good for me to uh, to figure out it's a waste of time for me to kind of continue on my path of what is. And I have found myself reading more biography, as, uh, biographies and autobiographies mm-hmm. to pick up these lessons. I read uh, Lincoln's and what I really took away from that is all these stories he would tell. So he wouldn't tell somebody to do something. He would just say a story that related to it. And I forgot which which guy he was running against. And he said, the only time I fear Lincoln is when he's telling a story. And it was in the debates, because when he would go into a story in a debate, he would tell a story. And so I, for me, I'm finding a lot of meaning in some of these stories that aren't necessarily like, Sam, get up and walk over and pick up this thing. And yeah, now less employ, yeah, less, less tactical information. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Uh, I think you learn more about the character of the individual that mm-hmm. you're, that you're sort of musing on, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah, definitely. I, I think that's more in the direction of what this book is going to be about. It is. And I think, you know, as we start talking about self-development and all this stuff, it's really hard to find people to talk about this with in a real conversation. Because I think we kind of express frustrations, not necessarily with our with our situation, but other people we've talked to around. I am just talking about the same things all the time. I need yeah. to kind of take another step or do something different. It's that, and that's why we've talked about like this growing up concept. Is how do we continually grow up? And what you said is like, rather than grow out. Yeah. uh, There's, um, I mean, aside from the metaphor about just getting more horizontal as you get older, as opposed to getting vertical. Yeah. um, There, I think there's a lot of aspects of ourselves that grow, that we grow out of, you know, Mm -hmm. or when, or we've just played out like, whether it be the same football conversations with, you know, the ex football team or, whether it be, I mean, our leadership discussions, honestly, we talk about it a lot, but it is such an evolving sort of We well, come with new information. Yeah, it's new mm-hmm. information. It's not It's not playing in the same arena with just different pieces. The exact like, same memory. Which literally yeah. is the definition of fantasy football. I mean, it, it is. <laughs> so, and I, and, there it is. <laughs> yeah, and there is a... How long have you been out of fantasy football? Well, actually, I have a, I have a familial obligation to be on a team. So there so, you go. Yeah, but yeah. I... I, but you um, can control I, your time with it. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't by basically not doing it. No, I don't pay attention. Yeah. Um, but uh, just the same conversations, those what we're talking about is mm-hmm. growing out of the social groups, the um, the drama. I mean, I mm-hmm. never had been one for drama, so I didn't really hang on to any of that super mm-hmm. long after school. But I still know 
kids that are my age at the tender age of 29 who are dealing with high school drama. Uh, I mean, uh, that's well, I think something that's, that's a little unique to the Midwest is, man, do we stick together? Stick together. Huge sense of tribalism. Like we stick together and it's a really good thing. It is. And I, you know, we were at a wedding this weekend and there was a lot of talk about they've been friends for 20 years. I mean, 20, 25 years and we're 30 years old, <laughs> a little over a 30. Time. And it's like, wow, these, that's a long time. And I think you can gain a lot from a friendship. I think the difficulty is when you stay in the same place though. Sure. And you grow that like that. You just don't grow, grow up. You yeah. stay in the same conversations. You do the exact same trips every year. You, you know, you just repeat and repeat and repeat. And that's something that I think, I think we need to balance out a little bit more in the Midwest. And, and that's something we're kind of looking for. Yeah, it is. Um, to be a, sort of a, a, an alternative perspective in that, in that mix. I mean, we, um, I think the finding friendship is hard enough in the, in the Midwest because we're mm-hmm. so tribal. I, I know people who have moved to the Midwest and have taken years we're talking two, three years to actually get a legitimate invitation to, you know, like regular events as a part of a social group. It's very hard unless you're dating somebody who's in the group and then you're kind of grandfathered in. You're really grandfathered in. Yeah. That's an, that's an acceptable being a non-partner is you're, you're breaking through the Berlin wall. I mean, that that is the wall of Minnesota. Nice right there. Oh, I wonder what around surrounding around social groups. I don't is know, it because it's, it's fear of like a? I mean, we come from the Nordic Viking area where sure a new person would really upset your chance of survival. Well, here's the deal: I only have so much deer that I've and reindeer that I've killed. So yeah, like, I can't you know, feed this here's person. This, here's this outsider. It's like, well, what are you bringing to the park? Look at this guy you know? coming in. We got four months of coming into my lane. Dead winter ahead of us. You know how what, how am I certain that you're not going to be absolutely dead effing weight or steal my women or steal <laughs> yeah. you know whatever the whatever yeah. the fear is. Well, it really. I mean, Minnesota specifically is not, in my opinion, like a really. It's not a cultural mel- melting pot. There's, I mean, compared to like Miami or it's a cultural pot, but there's nobody that can get in. Yeah, it, it, it's. <laughs> It's basically like a, um, it's kind of like a, a a pot that has been sitting in the fridge for a long effing time and all the layers have separated. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like when you walk into a brewery and there's that huge vat, but you can't get, you can't see in, you just see it over there and it's like, wow, everybody must be really pumped up to be in there and having a great time fermenting with each other, but yeah. you can't get in. You can't get in. It's just, it's just way a, up there. It's a, the, the barriers to entry are very high. Well, it's funny because we like to think we can make new friends. You know, we, however, it's not like we've made a really brand new friend in years, 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 frankly. And it's, it's others except for, I'll say this significant others of friends of existing friends. Those yeah. Friends been, of significant others. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like it's the, the well, you merge, but well, you don't friends, friends of existing of significant others, or like you have someone in your close friend group who starts dating a girl who then you're, you know, bam, who, you're in. Yeah. Who seems really cool or whatever. Like I can't, I can't, I, it's rare that I could say there's been like a new introduction into, into of like, friend. I met this guy, like you said, at lifetime. 
Yeah. This is this is my boy from Lifetime I met. He's going to hang out with us now. That would really upset the cart. It would. It would, unless he brought a reindeer leg with him or something. And, yeah, something you know, showed, like, hey, check this like out. A, he made like an offering of... Uh, of uh, what do you think it would take to jump into a friend group like that? Um, Timberwolves tickets? Tim- I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, I would say sports, but Minnesota sports are sort of laughable except for the gophers at this point hey uh, we got vikings one again vikings one again yeah they did going um, yeah i don't know some sort of offering of uh of goodwill of benevolence mm-hmm. of uh of um like don't worry i don't want to eat your food or date any of your women yeah yeah because i know from yeah. the woman's side i've heard this a number of times is like once a new girl comes in it's like reshuffling the order like the hierarchy sure especially if she's like good looking or has some really awesome things it's kind of like well i don't want mine my guy to like you too much Mm -hmm. so it's like a really kind of dance i think men do that too sure it's just a little on a little difference it's just a little different it is yeah yeah but that that sort of social isol or uh there's a lot of social buffers. I'll say as you get inner, the further you get away from the coast, there are more social buffers. Like yeah. I've uh, heard heard uh, stories of being in New York and striking up a conversation with somebody at a coffee shop and then them being like, oh yeah, we're going here later. Why don't you come along? And then here's my number and whatever. And then from the Midwest, somebody would be like, oh sweet. I'm going to go there at the exact time and I'm going to text him and be like, hey, where are you? And the person from New York may not ever answer the text one or mm-hmm. be anywhere in the vicinity or even have registered that they said anything to you at all. Jeez. Yeah. Like, I mean, just culturally, it's, it's... That is not that is not how we do it here. No, well, I mean, when invitations are rare, I mean, here we go back to scarcity. Like, scarcity. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the Norwegian thing. It's like we, it got, we got four months of sub-zero weather ahead I put of on us. four are coats to come over here today. Like, I... You got I, a, it's I had damage to, control. I had to... Pre- I had to prepare to come over well yeah it, and that sort of mentality though that's why um when you go down to beach communities for example people are or island communities people are so much more laid back because mm-hmm. they're like well i'll just go out and do some fishing and then like you know get my food and you know i don't really need much else because yeah i got this or that going on or whatever i got a pole we just do not have any of that it's like okay our means to an end are stalking an animal for days on end and shooting it with a bow or going out and breaking ground and making sure that a bear doesn't steal it yeah i mean it's it's just totally different table stakes in terms of the psyche that emerges out of that well yeah the amount of of effort that it takes to just survive which also is an interesting um, conversation item that uh, this gentleman who I was having lunch with who told me about the Mattis book was he said that Trump governs like a New Yorker where he's more like wheeling and dealing you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. so his decisions seem very snap seem very quick um, which is just not the management style of anybody in this area so I no. think and we're freaked um, out by it people are very freaked out by it because Mm -hmm. it seems unstable. It seems uncalculated. It seems, um, uh, it seems, uh, like we have to plan here. Yeah. yeah, Like we're very, like we got to take the dock out in three weeks. So yeah, there's before the winter comes. Yeah. 
and we you know it's like this very elaborate plan of how things have to work um yeah. there are a few things that the nordic folk have figured out one of them being saunas i mean that oh man so you those are so we're like all saunaed in all in on the sauna i'm i'm 100 percent in yeah i i've gotten to the point where uh we had some security issues in our apartment so um i haven't i haven't formalized my request but i'm gonna put a formal request in for a sauna in the basement in the apartment unit just because oh, yeah. um i'm all in list on the health benefits of it yeah, yeah so you you did you basically spend the entire weekend in the sauna spent a lot of time in the sauna how did um, it so just I, I i'll tell you this i got my first skin rash from being in the sauna too long and too hot where did you get it um i was sitting next to the stove so i got it on my left arm shoulder and sort of back and neck how bad how long were you in the sauna for um i was gassing it up pretty good i was you were i was stoking it i was uh, really i was churning and burning baby i was I you were testing the it. limits i was pushing the limits you were going there you're growing up in there there was nobody there, there was nobody around i was all to myself i was like all right we're gonna see what we can do here and uh so i i uh, i reached that that limit at least mm-hmm. um, i burnt my face huh. i had a big oh just heat oh yeah the capillaries yeah, yeah. they'll burst yeah they burst because of yeah. the the excessive heat but I think the, the the health benefits of saunas are so high. I mean, I got all worked up where I was like, these need to be in like every company. Every company should have one in their office. Be a good de-stressor. Be, to be such a good de-stressor. And Can you imagine naked sauna with your coworkers? Yeah, that's that's exactly that's, what got shot right back in my face when I said another. <laughs> How about this? So in Finland, the tra- traditional sauna is often naked naked and what happens is you know if somebody fires up the sauna if your neighbor fires up a sauna like you'd probably want to use it you know mm-hmm. because it requires a bunch of work and a bunch of resources Jimmy, yeah so um oftentimes the neighbors would come over and naked sauna together so you'd be naked sauna with your neighbors and um naked sauna at the at the office would definitely be an hr violation but um i mean it, chances are that was part of the playbook in the Weinstein cases. I mean, who knows? Oh yeah. I mean, that, that uh, I, I've always heard these crazy stories of those guys, like inviting women to hotel rooms and being in bathrobes or whatever, and just being completely naked under the bathrobes. Yeah, what being, is that? I don't, I don't understand it. It's just ridiculous. The, I mean the whole, like the Lauer stuff is coming out now too. Oh, I didn't hear about that. So there's a new book that came out about Lauer and I think it's, it's just getting a ton of, because a ton of just like it's really lending a light to like the type of ego these guys have and it to me i don't even i don't even know how somebody can get to that level but i obviously we don't have the fame of or like the ability to understand right now no there's a great meme of uh barack and michelle obama where it says a woman's um loyalty is tested when you know, if it's a successful, when there's, when there's nothing, you know, mm-hmm. and a man's loyalty is tested when there's, when everything. there's everything. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good point. I think that's very, very timely. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, there has not been conversations on the other side, which is, you know, women leaving men when they're down and out broke. or broke, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, that's 
that's not deplorable in in our cultural mm-hmm. icon, lexicon. Yeah, I mean, talk about which I how don't to know form a relationship through thick and thin. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily. Um, that that's a really tough one right there because yeah we're gonna be barking up a tough tree there yeah we're, we're we might as well just punt on that one yeah hop off that tree get on a we'll find one. that one and if if there's enough feedback from our listeners on if we should visit that yeah we, we will research that tree that's and a, maybe that is a slick tree yeah I mean there's no there's not a lot of grip not a lot of footholds on that one. <laughs> No. Not a lot of low-hanging branches. No, you're you're. There's a huge thorn bush at the bottom too. You're, that's one of those where you 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 tilt the ladder on its side, or you you stand it on one leg mm-hmm. in order to get it slightly higher, so you might be able to reach that branch. But you're. I mean, it's precarious at best. Yeah, that's, you're at a dinner party, and now you're known as the guy, and you your significant other's pretty frustrated because you went off. We've all had that that's, conversation before. That's talking, you went too far. That's talking gun rights at Thanksgiving right oh, yeah. there. Oh, yeah, gun that's, rights for sure. Oh, my gosh. Bringing that Which bad boy I, up. I did. There was a um, one of the first family dinners that I ever actually attended for my significant other. There was a spat, <laughs> and uh, it, was, <laughs> it was really comical because... Um, I mean, it wasn't comical. It was, it, it's comical in retrospect because... Uh, my significant other was rather fired up about there was a recent school shooting you know mm. and she was rather fired up about bump stocks and extended mags and whatever and lo and behold obviously there's another gentleman there Tim Batuman Taylor over there ex-military oh, you know boy. avid this or that and it was it was nothing like really ridiculous but it was it's a it Minnesota was, argument it was a, it was a Minnesota spat which means there was an uncomfortable uh 10 seconds yeah sort of 30 second period where mm-hmm. people were like oh they're they're speaking their minds this isn't good um <laughs> and then uh and then it subsided and it was it was not a big deal but uh that was the first that was the first family dinner for me and I was kind of like whoa does this happen often and I knew it was so uncharacteristic of her that I knew I was like what this doesn't seem like the type of person that she was. And I, I haven't seen her have another one of those spats. I mean, well, some people when they get tested, gun rights at Thanksgiving, just not a, not gonna, a not bold gonna go choice, well. cotton, bold choice. You're really <laughs> interesting yeah. strategy. Cotton. I'm going to reach into my bag out. of tricks, yeah. bring out the gun rights. At, at least the, it uh, wasn't you. Oh no, no. I, I barely spoke anything. I, mm-hmm. the whole night that was, I mean, yes. yeah, that quiet was is strategy. better. And if yeah. once you're meeting the significant other, family quiet is better less has always been more in my opinion for the uh, oh, conversation yeah. tactics around the extended or other side of the of the uh, of the aisle as it were yeah you just gotta like we we've, we've said in a previous podcast the mirroring works just fantastic mirroring works well yep yep it does well one way to uh, extend an offering if you're in the Midwest and want to make new friends is to bring them a pair of brown underwear certainly could walk just brownunderwear.com and make new friends. And that's all we got for you today, folks. Tune in next week. We'll, and we'll be back kicking it here in the Rumpus Room. <laughs>